We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. ask you to open the Bible, your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis, chapter 4, book of Genesis, chapter 4, and go to verse 6. We're going to read verses 6 through 8. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you that you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose, rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. We began this chapter, and we talked about the fact that Adam and Eve had these first two sons, first Cain, then Abel. And now we come here to this section of the chapter, and here we see the first homicide in history. God admonishes Cain, exhorting him to offer the adequate sacrifice. He graciously promise, promises he would be accepted if he would do well. That is, if he would obey the word of God and do what God says. But that if he continued rebelling, then sin, he says, lies at the door. This is the first mention of sin in the scriptures. Okay? Genesis is the book of firsts. And this is the first mention of sin in all of the Bible. It means he would become a seed of the serpent, obeying sin instead of obeying God. He would oppose God, God's revealed will. It is interesting to note that the fact that he offered vegetables and fruits didn't mean that that was something wrong with it per se. He was offering something to God. The problem doesn't lie in the fact that Abel offered an animal and Cain offered vegetables. Because one was a shepherd and the other one was an agricultural man. The problem lies in the fact that Cain's offering was a self-will offering. He was in disobedience to the word of God. Okay? He came with the wrong attitude. He came with the wrong 
offering in the sense that that's not what God told him to do. We can see from the previous chapter that God killed the lamb to dress Adam and Eve, his parents. And obviously he must have established that as the type of offering he uh, demanded from his people. Now, God, though, comes to him very graciously, and he said to him, why are you angry? Now, was God obligated to ask that question? He was not, okay? But he graciously asks the question and tries to reason with him by way of mercy, okay? Now, Cain rejects God's warning. Not only he came up with the wrong attitude to offer the wrong kind of sacrifice, but he rejects God's warning. He chose to go to go on his own way. And this is what this world, nothing has changed after so many thousands of years, okay? People still want to go their way, do things their way. I want to do it this way because I want to do it this way. I don't care what God says. People who act that way are of the seed of the serpent. They're not of the seed of the woman, spiritually speaking, okay? I remember years ago, many of you are too young to remember Frank Sinatra, but Frank Sinatra used to sing a song that surely was a beautiful song, and he had a beautiful voice, and the song went, I did it my way. And I did this and that and that and that, and then I did it my way. Now, beautiful song, wrong message, okay? Because the Lord doesn't tell us to do things our way. He tells us to do things his way, and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ gave us the example in the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Surely, Abel, as God's first prophet, and how do we know that Abel was a prophet? Because God, the Lord Jesus Christ, calls him a prophet in the Gospel of Luke. We said that last week. He must have counseled his brother to do God's will. Because it says here that they talked. They talked. I wonder what they said and what he must have told Cain. But the, seed of, the, the seeds of pride, the seeds of envy, and the, sins of the, the seeds of hatred were at work already in Cain's uh, heart, and he poisoned, they poisoned his soul. That's why so, we have to be so careful whenever we speak and say something that we do not plant seeds, the wrong kind of seeds, in somebody else's heart. Because once the poison goes in, it's very difficult for it to go out. Okay? So here we see that Cain was bitter at God and accused him of showing favoritism to Abel and his gift and rejecting his own gift. He pulled one of those, this is not fair. You ever hear siblings say that? All the time, right? Not fair. Nobody, you gave him that. You gave her that. How come you didn't give it to me? That's not fair. Be careful with that. Okay? Perhaps the two brothers argued bitterly, so bitterly, 
that it says that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. This was the tragic result. The reason is found in 1 John 3.12, where John tells us that we must love one another, not as Cain, who slew his brother, because his deed, he was of that evil one, and he slew him because Abel's deeds were righteous and his were evil. John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes in the first epistle many years later, okay, the truth that Cain was of the devil. The first soul to go to hell was Cain. Okay? The entrance of sin into the world by eating the forbidden fruit quickly resulted in much more bitter fruit, the crime of murder, or in this case, fratricide. What is fratricide? Brother killing brother. Okay? The seed of the serpent was quickly striking at the woman's seed, corrupting her first son and killing the second son, trying to prevent the fulfillment of the proto-evangel that we talked about in Genesis 3.15, where the Lord says, I shall put enmity between the seed of the woman and your seed, he told the serpent. And that enmity continues until today. And we see the first fruits of that in the story of Cain and Abel. And this is not a fable like some unbelievers, you know, think it is. The Bible, there's nothing in the Bible is a fable. Everything in the Bible is true. So when somebody says to you, and you believe that? Oh, is it in the Bible? Yeah, then I believe it. I heard a preacher one time say, I believe in the Bible from cover to cover. And I believe in the covers too, because they keep it clean. Okay? Don't be ashamed to stand up for your faith. Okay? Here we see the first homicide in history, this fratricide. Abel is God's first martyr. The spiritual man is persecuted and assassinated by the first modernist who becomes the first murderer. All of Cain's characteristics are that of an unregenerate natural man. What are his characteristics? The first one is rebellious. Cain is rebellious. In other words, he does what he wants to do. Secondly, he's envious and irate. In other words, he's an angry man. You know what? Sin will make you angry every time. You see somebody angry all the time? You can bet your bottom dollar, even though you don't bet, that there is unresolved sin in that person's life. Sin makes us angry. Okay? Because sin produces guilt. And guilt accuses us. And when we are accused, we get upset. Thirdly, not only he is rebellious and envious and irate, but he is disobedient. He does not listen to God. Imagine God spoke to him personally. 
with an audible voice. And he rejected that. Like many today, most today reject the word of God. Most people today in the world are disobedient to God, either, either by ignorance or by self-will. Fourthly, he is homicidal. He's a murderer. He killed his brother. Fifthly, he is insolent and disrespectful. You know, that's very sad, but even in churches, you have people that are insolent and disrespectful to one another and many times to the pastor. Be careful with that. Sixthly, he's selfish. I did it my way. He thinks only of himself. People who only think of themselves are the most miserable people you can ever meet. Because me is your worst tyrant. The worst enemy you have is you. And seventh, seventhly, he is cowardly. He fears death. We're going to see that later on in the chapter. Oh, I'm sorry, there's one more. Not only he is cowardly, but he is wandering. He goes to the land of Nod. The land of Nod means the land of wandering. He has no aim, nothing in life. He cannot settle down. That was his curse. He could never settle down in one place. He could never be at the place where God manifested himself. So we see that's the characteristic of Cain. Now let's look at verse, verse 9 through 12. Then the Lord said to Cain, after he did what he did, the Lord comes to him again, and he says, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? You see how insolent he is? And not, not only that, he's a liar, because I do not know. He knew where he was. And he said, what have you done? Now, the Lord is not asking questions to get information. The Lord is asking a question to give him the opportunity to confess his sin. What have you done? Where is your brother? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. In other words, God already knew that he had uh, slain his brother. So now you are cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. This is the first time we hear, again, that God curses man. Up to now, he has not cursed God, uh, man. He only cursed the ground. He cursed the serpent, the devil, but he did not curse man. Now he curses this one because he's the first son of perdition, the seed of the serpent. 
In Cain's case, his punishment is that earth would be adverse to his efforts and he would be a stranger. He'd have neither blessing nor peace while on earth. And do you notice how people who don't know the Lord don't have peace? They try to find peace. Hi, how? By filling the empty void with things, whether it's money, whether it's uh, pleasure, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, material things, wrong relationships. Be careful with that, because if you get in the wrong relationship, you might end up paying the price for the rest of your life. And if you don't stay with a wrong partner, then you commit another sin, which is divorce, which, which God hates. So either way, you're a loser. Careful with that. Okay? God gives you the opportunity to do things right. Don't mess it up. So he would have neither blessing nor peace while on earth. And then comes eternal perdition, the destiny of all those who throughout time have inflicted suffering on the righteous. My goodness, I don't even want to think what it's going to be like for Hitler, the day of judgment, or Stalin, or any of the popes, or any of these apostate preachers that are in churches today preaching and don't believe the Bible. If you don't believe the Bible, what are you doing preaching it? Get away. Go, go out. Go sell insurance or something. Now we know even that is nothing new under the sun because we just read this morning in Matthew 22. Did you notice that chapter? The Lord is teaching them for them to learn. And what do they do? These religious leaders, they come to him with questions not to learn, but to trap him. he caught it because he could see right through them. I love that chapter in the sense because I love the answers he gives them. Is it lawful to pay taxes? They already knew the answer. Is it lawful to pay taxes here in the United States? Is it lawful? Then why are you cheating the government? Oh, but we have a bad president in the White House. That's none of your business. You do your duty as a citizen, and if he does wrong, it's his problem before God. And let me tell you, he is wrong. The other day, he finished a speech in Connecticut about gun control. You know, he, he ended the speech. God save the queen. Or long live the queen. The queen has been dead for two years. And what does the queen have to do with this country? And what does she have to do with gun control? But that's beside the point. The important thing is that we do our duty as Christians. And if government, the government does wrong, they're going to give God an account of the, all the... I've been reading that in the book of Isaiah these days. How the nations are going to be judged by God himself. Okay? And their biggest sin is their persecution of Israel. 
and the persecution of his people, both the Jews and the believers. They don't get it. They don't get it. Hmm? So here we see, we read, we, we sang a hymn this morning. Which one was it? Do you remember the second one? It is well with my soul. I learned something a few days ago that I didn't know. The man who wrote that hymn, Horatio Spafford, lost four daughters as the ship went down in the middle of the Atlantic. And only his wife was saved. This, was, this happened right after the Chicago fire in 1871. He sent his family to Europe to rest after they lost everything. And on the way to Europe, the ship sunk, sank and his four daughters were lost drowned and his wife sent him a cable saying save alone so then he took a ship and went to meet her in England and he asked the steward in the ship to let him know where was the place where his uh, daughters went down and drowned so they let him know where the place was and he went to the front of the ship to the bow and he wrote those words it is well with my soul. But this is what I didn't know. That this I knew, but this is what I didn't know. He and his wife ended up going to then Israel, I mean Palestine, which was still under Turkish Ottoman rule. And they lived there. They adopted a little Jewish boy. And the Jewish boy came to know the Messiah as his Lord and Savior. And both Horatius Pafford and his wife are buried in the cemetery in Jerusalem. They loved Israel. Now you know that ABC and NBC and CBS is not going to tell you that. That's why you need to come to church to learn the truth. Amen? Here we see that the Lord pronounces punishment on Cain. He cannot hide his sin from God. It doesn't matter what you do in life. It doesn't matter what sin you commit. You cannot hide from God. David tells us that in Psalm 139. Whither shall I go to flee from your presence? Even if I, I make my bed in Sheol, in hell itself, you are there. Everything is naked before his eyes, we are told in Hebrews 4.13. Cain's response is proud and insolent questioning God's right to ask him this question. Who are you to ask me questions? Don't tell me what to do. Did you ever hear that? Very prevalent in our society here, in this spoiled society we live in. Of course, as I said before, his first response 
is a lie. Where is your brother? I don't know. That's a lie. Okay? Cain, unlike Adam, is not repentant. Adam and Eve repented. I mean, they sinned, but they repented. Cain is unrepentant. Okay? His heart was hardened by sin. And for this reason, God does not speak to him in mercy now, but in judgment. Now, Cain got rid of Abel. He got rid of him. But he could not get rid of God. No one can. And this unrepentant world can look forward to God's judgment and punishment for their sin of rejection and rebellion against him. The world, they think they are okay. That it's smooth sail down the river. I'll do what I want. I'll get my way, my rights, my this and my that. And God in his infinite grace and mercy and love allows them to go on. But you know what? Payday someday. The day they stand before God naked completely naked with no one to stand up for them because they have no advocate they reject Christ, you reject Christ you reject the only lawyer they're not going to be so cocky and we see here that this unrepentant world can look forward to God's judgment and punishment for their sin of rejection and rebellion against him. Because, you know, in the long run, every sin is against God. Always remember that. No matter what you say or what you do to anybody, in the long run, your sin is a sin against God. In Cain's case, his punishment is that the earth would be adverse to his efforts and he would be a stranger. He'd have neither blessing nor peace while on earth. And then comes, like we said, eternal perdition. The destiny of all those who throughout time have inflicted suffering on the righteous. Now the climax and fulfillment are seen here in the clash between Satan and Christ. Where did the climax come to a head? In a place called Golgotha. Or, as we know it, Mount Calvary. Where the Lord was crucified. When Jesus was on the cross, that was the final clash, so to speak between Satan and Christ. And Satan thought he had him. Just to show you how deceived he is, that he deceives himself. He thought he had him. And he didn't realize that that was exactly the point where Jesus had him. The checkmate was not against Jesus. The checkmate was against Satan. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. Has the devil given up? Of course not. And he won't. 
getting more fierce as time goes because he knows his time is growing shorter and shorter and shorter. Okay? Now, this is a conflict that continues today and is heading toward its final climax when Jesus comes back. You read the book of Revelation and he tells you right there that the, the Lord takes the serpent, the devil, and throws him into the lake of fire. At the, at the last judgment. Jesus is coming soon to defeat forever the seed of the serpent and the devil himself. Like Cain, this world will receive God's punishment. That's why you got so many people here saying, oh, but God is a God of love. He will never do anything like that. Yeah, you keep thinking that. Of course they're going to think that. What are they going to do? What are they going to say? They're going to say, oh, their judgment is coming. It's true. Then they have to repent. They don't want to repent. Even during the revelation, people continue, in, in spite of all the judgments that are going to fall on this earth, they continue rebelling more and more and more and more. Because sin hardens the heart. So here we see that it says in Second Thessalon Thessalonians, it says, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You can rest assured that judgment is coming. And anybody can do whatever they want. Go on. Let him who sins continue sinning. Go, go, go. Do whatever you want. Live it up. Enjoy life. Eat, drink, be merry, but know this. That in the end, God is going to bring every, every work under judgment. Did Cain get away with what he did? Nope. No, he didn't. It's interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he's rebuking the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day, he mentions in Matthew 23, which by the way is the next chapter, the woes. He says, which of the prophets you did not kill? From a righteous Abel all the way to Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, whom you slew between the altar and the temple. Inside the temple, they killed the prophet Zechariah. Did they get away with it? Nope. The Lord knew. And that's still pending because judgment hasn't come yet. So here we see in verse 13, and Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Poor thing. Surely you have driven me out of this, uh, you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Oh, really? You don't want to be killed? 
but you killed. Do you know why he thought that? Because as a man thinks, so he is. Because he was a murderer, <clears throat> he thought everybody else was a murderer. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Now the rest of Genesis chapter 4 gives us a picture of life in the antediluvian world. In other words, this is the world before the flood. Okay? It is just about the only information that we have about the first, <coughs> that first human civilization. Everything else is based on myths and fables. The only inspired document that we have about pre-flood history is this. These few verses of chapter 4 and you know, chapter 5. Chapter 5 is mostly genealogy. Okay? This civilization, which was later destroyed by the great flood, erasing, erasing completely all of it and leaving nothing to tell us about it. Now, the brief biblical record is still the only fully reliable account we have of that first age. Everything else, like I said, is based on legends, myths, and or suppositions. We see the Lord's mercy even on a person so wicked as Cain, protecting him so that no one would kill him. Because you know why? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. The only one who has the right to kill anybody, take the life away, is God. Because God is the one who gives life. Man doesn't have the right to do that. Unless it is capital punishment by a government. But personally, we don't have the right to do that. Okay? Cain's punishment seems to have extracted from him a measure of sorrow, though not repentance. Cain is like Judas. He felt bad, but he didn't repent. Some people say to me, well, what is Judas? I mean, Judas repented. No, he did not. Judas did not repent. Listen to this. Remorse is not repentance. Remorse is feeling bad about something. Repentance is about making a 100 degree turn and going the other way. Repentance brings change. Remorse does not. Some people feel bad. They do penance. Some churches, oh, we do penance. Penance doesn't solve the problem. They want to feel, they think that if they feel bad, God is going to say, okay, now I'll accept it. No, he doesn't. The Lord Jesus Christ made it very, very clear. He began his ministry saying, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So here we see that his response, though, even though he has not repented, his response is not so insolent, and he no longer questions the Lord and did not claim that his punishment was undeserved. 
just merely too much for him to bear. Oh, this is too much. It hurts. Oh, Well, you know what? You broke the dishes. You pay them. You made your bed. Lie in it. Don't expect to do wrong and then be exempted from the punishment. Even in uh, the physical world, we have cause and effect, don't we? If you decide to jump off the Empire State Building and then at the last minute you repented, but you're already on the way down, God is not going to stop the law of gravity because you have a second thought. You knew beforehand there's a law of gravity. And you know, people know before, in their consciences, they know that there's a God in heaven. They're going to have to give him an account one day, and that's why so many atheists, of course, very convenient to be an atheist and say, God doesn't exist. That's why the Bible calls them fools. Judgment and vengeance are the Lord's not man's. The Lord allowed Cain to live partly out of mercy and partly as a testimony to the world of the consequences of sin. Verses 16 and 17. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelled in the land of Nod and the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son. Cain is excluded from God. In other words, where God reveals himself, Cain cannot be. Because God and sin have nothing in common. The land of Nod means the land of divagating or backsliding. Due to the nature of the curse on him, Cain simply was condemned to be a nomadic, to lead a nomadic life. Cain, it says, took a wife. Now, where did Cain find his wife? Every atheist relishes that question. Fools. Bible says that Adam and Eve had many sons and daughters. So at the beginning, God allowed the marriage between brothers and sisters until the earth was beginning to get replenished. And at a certain point, it was stopped. In the law of Moses, it is stopped. Don't forget, Abraham married his sister Sarah. So what's the big deal? God created one man, one woman. They had two children. One was killed. The other one remained alive. But there were other children, okay? Because the Bible tells us in the next chapter that Adam and Eve have many more children. How many? We don't know. Listen, he died at the age of 930. Do you think he had enough time to...
and that's another one for the atheist. Oh, how can any man live so long? Wait, wait a minute. God created man to live forever, not to die. Death came in as a result of sin. doesn't the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? How long is everlasting? 930? Forever? God is the God of the living not of the dead. We read that this morning in Matthew 22 didn't we? I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is the God of the living not of the dead. What's the matter with you Sadducees? What did he tell them? You err, not knowing the word of God, not knowing the scriptures. People who don't know the scriptures err. You know what I found out in life? I'm 74 years old. You know what I found out? I found out that the more I read the word of God, the more I love the word of God. Of God. And if I love the word of God, I love God. And I hate the world. Not the people. The system. Every day, this place is not my home. Become stranger and stranger. Cain it says that went down from the presence of the Lord and Cain took, uh, knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son the land of Nod as I said before means the land of divagating and backsliding due to the nature of the curse on him Cain simply was condemned to be living a nomadic life Cain took a wife apparently one of his sisters and she gave birth to a son. Here we see the founding of the first earthly city, the city of Enoch. Now following, we see the list of Cain's descendants. I'm not going to go into that now. But when we talk, the Bible talks about the city. You know what it talks about? You know what a city was back then? It was probably just a few houses and a wall surrounding them. That was it. When we think of a city today, we think of New York. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. But we see that how progressively God teaches us in, the, in his word the result of sin. What are the consequences of it? Everything the Bible tells us is the truth. Anybody questions the Bible, they're questioning God. If you question God, you're calling him a liar and you are the liar. The word of God is the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said it. In John 17, sanctify them, O Father, with thy truth. Thy word is the truth. And if Jesus said that, you bet you it is the truth. Stand up for the word of God. When somebody comes up to you and they says, but the Bible contradicts itself. Don't chicken out. Just stand there and tell them, show me where. And 
and you show me and I'll eat not only the page, I'll eat the whole Bible. I've been saying that to people for the last 48 years. I still have not had a diet of Bible because they can never show you where the Bible contradicts itself because it doesn't. It doesn't. The only way you can make the Bible contradict itself is to take a text out of context. And when you take a text out of context, it becomes a pretext. How do you interpret the Bible? You interpret the Bible with the Bible. The Bible interprets itself. You didn't interpret the Bible with some religious leader's you know, opinions. Even if he's a Christian, the Holy Spirit, when you're saved, God gives you his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, who wrote the scriptures, will lead you into all truth and give you the wisdom to understand what he wrote. And I'm not telling you that God is going to open your understanding 100% the first time you read the Bible. No, 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 no. God knows what he does. He opens your understanding in proportion to your love for the word and to your obedience to the word. Why would God give you 1,198 chapters all at once? Can you eat a steak this big at once? a piece at a time, a bite at a time. And I am now saved for the last 48 and a half years. I think to the date, as a matter of fact, I think it was January 18th, 1975. And you know what? After studying the Bible for so many years, I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. Anybody who studies the Bible seriously will tell you the same thing. I haven't even scratched the surface. So those who come bragging that they know everything have never read the Bible. At least not seriously. And you remember what Socrates said idiots have all the answers. I hope today it's Father's Day and that you will honor God because he is our Father. You will honor God by obeying his word. Because if you do not obey the word of God, you're not honoring Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Father in heaven, we come before your presence this morning thanking you for the joy and the privilege of having you as our... We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbt.com tbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.